Lucky you. 36 you best holes in golf. Alternate Shots Podcast. Barney's Army. Where we talk about Sandy. golf. Poker. James Bond. Horse racing. Double. Classic movies. Zenyatta. We have no script. Down the stretch they come. We are glad you joined us. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> so, Billy Regan, we have got a day today. We have none other than Steve Rabideau joining us. Overall, in charge of 280 acres of uh, great prime real estate and 36 wonderful holes. Welcome, Steve, to the Alternate Shots podcast. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Yes, yeah, maybe the the longest you'll sit still this entire year. <laughs> it very well could be. So I don't know the conditions today. Are there? Is there play going on? Is there work going on? Give us an update. Well, uh, Jupiter sounds a lot more uh, inviting than the weather we have right now. Uh, it's funny. March has been worse than January and February. Uh, January and February were abnormally warm. Uh, and March, this last week, 10 days, has been brutally cold. I mean, and the wind has been making it feel like it's been in the teens or 2020s. So it's been really cold recently. Um Nobody playing today, but some of the diehards have definitely been out, you know, um, but January, February, beautiful. I, I, January is, you can usually have some nice days. Uh, February, I can't remember a February like this in, in a long time. I mean, February was just abnormally warm. Usually you can pencil February and it's being just a really awful month and we're inside doing a lot of stuff in, in February, but this year we were, we've been cranking outside. It's been really, really warm up until recently. One of the, one of the great features of Wingfoot is that there's always 18 holes open for knuckleheads like me that might want to sneak out there on a 38 degree day. I remember a couple of years ago after you were here, Steve, telling my friends, as I played in December down 14 East and I saw one of your capable crew mowing the front of the green and somebody else mowing the green, I said, who else is doing this? It takes every day to get the golf course, right? I mean, you can't, you can't strive for what we strive for and turn it off for, for the month, for the winter months, right? We don't have much of winter and, and I get more work done. Me and my staff get more work done in the winter time than we do in the summertime. I mean, in summertime, it's cut, you know, it's cut spray water and, you know, getting ready for events and stuff. And the wintertime is when we get all the stuff done. I mean, 90% of the membership doesn't see see any of the work we're doing because they're gone. Those that are here see us doing stuff, but that's, this is when we get all of our stuff done uh, this time of the year. So we all live through, you know, aeration and course closures and things like that. But I think I'm speaking on behalf of at least everybody in the membership, but I know that the course condition far back as I can remember has been supreme. I, I, and I use that word on purpose. It's, I don't see any place in better shape day to day that I see courses in great shape all over the place, but day to day for the last, however many years, if you're complaining about the uh, shape of Wingfoot, it's because you had a fight with your wife. Well, you know, that's what we strive for. I mean, we know that we're a facility that is uh, a place where everybody wants to bring guests, right? And it's my mindset with my guys is I tell them that we have to be a member guest every day. We're, we're basically 
preparing for a member guest every day because there's somebody that's bringing a guest that wants to get the Wingfoot experience. Um, and and then there's the days that we, uh, you know, we don't please everybody, right? Because that's the hardest part of my job because um, we want to put our best foot forward every day. But in doing so, there might be a day that we don't have golf carts, we might not have this, but we try to do my mindset since I've been in the business has always been doing what is right for the majority of the members. And that might upset a, a small group of members day in and day out, but I have to have the mindset that because we have a big membership that we need to do what's right for the majority of the members every day. And one day that might mean we might not have golf carts or we might have a frost delay and it gets the people that play early upset or we have to delay or something, but that's hard. But in trying to do what's right for the golf course, unfortunately you know we we upset the apple cart with a few people but um our mindset is that we're member guests every day you know because that's what somebody's coming in to play this every day and it might be their only time being here i mean listen you know the restoration work was was great um we we put a lot of things back to what they were um scale and size right on the greens um bunkers were moved into place where well, if you moved out of place where they were just to modernize them, you know, uh, I tell, I tell people that we like took a Cadillac and made it a Ferrari and that we had, you know, on our greens that we had that nobody wanted us, or at first they were, uh, hesitant on if we could rebuild the greens and get them back to the same contours. I remember that was, was, you know, something that everybody was concerned about. I was concerned about it because when we started this process, I hadn't rebuilt a green like that, you know, since we've rebuilt 41 greens here. And I remember Neil, uh, it was great on that first green that we did was three East and uh, Neil had a camera in the tree and he put cameras in every tree and he sat in the rock behind three East green all day for the entire day, because that was the first green we started. And, and, and I fully get it that when we started the project, there was, you know, apprehension or people were worried of whether or not we could do what we set out to do because really at the time Gil hadn't done it, you know, he'd rebuilt greens, but to, or built greens, but to do what we were going to do and scan the greens with a laser scanner and then strip the sod off and tell everybody we're going to get the contours within a, you know, um, you know, thousands of a surveying foot and get the saw back and, you know, change the infrastructure, right? Get rid of the soil that was there, do the drainage, do a gravel layer, put mix in there, upgrade these things, but you have the outcome be basically what it was before was a huge undertaking, you know? And um, not that what they built was wrong, what they built was right. Cause in the twenties, when you built the green like that, you didn't have good irrigation and you were cutting a lot higher. So, you wanted the green to hold moisture. Well, fast forward a hundred years, we don't want the greens to hold moisture. So getting the greens back to what they were and getting the drainage and the firmness and the ability to suck the water out and everything what was a huge, it's huge for us in this day and age. So um, painstaking. Yeah. You know, and um, it, it took four phases, right? You know, we did, front of the east and then we did the front 10 of the east first and then we did the back of the east and we took a year off of the four ball championship and then we started the back of the west and the front of the west and 
you know, we got, we try to get better as a group every year doing things because at first we did things on the East and we were learning and figuring things out. And our goal each time we did a phase was to get better at things. We worked some of the kinks out on the East before we got to the West because when we started the East, we weren't going to even do the West. I, I remember that uh, vividly right. that we were going to do the East and, you know, we were never touching the West, but yet after, after we did 10 holes on the East and the, and the membership saw that we, listen, not, not everybody's pleased, right? Uh, uh, people still complain, but, uh, but the greens were as, as close as we get them back and they were firmer and, and they were, you know, consistent, you know, that's what, got everybody's attention on trying to do the West. So we try to get better each phase on, on doing things. The end result, even if it's not the exact contours that it was in the past, which may upset some people, it, it's a great result. The greens are in great shape all the time. They're all very playable. The Tillinghast philosophy is still so there, uh, you know, where there's ways to get to the, as Neil would tell you, there's four ways to putt this ball to get it down near the hole or whatever. That's part of the greatness of of that design. That the, that the greens, like I always say, this are your fifteenth club. You can use the contours to help your game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's funny when when people think you know the greens that prior to us rebuilding them, those weren't the green services of nineteen twenty three. Not even close. Because what people don't understand, and I've I show pictures to greens committee all the time, and my chairman and stuff when we're doing some of these projects in the winter where we're building some of the bunker edges and stuff. Just, we do that every year. And, and, and we do it every year because some of them just deteriorate or there, or it's a bunker that's an active bunker where there's a lot of people hitting out of it. Right. And there's a lot of sand splash. People would be amazed at how much sand splash affects the green and how much it can raise a green up. I mean, we've had greens uh, front left of 11. I just did this this past winter, I think. You know, the, it was raised up two inches. 11 east? 11 west. 11 west. Yeah. So that, that's raised up oh, two yeah. inches since I did yeah. it four years ago. Wow. Because so, everybody that goes in there is throwing a spoonful of sand on the green. It, exactly. So for people to think that what we had in, in 2018 prior to us redoing them is exact same green that was done in not even close. Yeah. You've had 100 years of aeration. You've had sand splash going on those greens. You've had breaks that have done something. So, yes, they're similar, but that's why we keep going back and trying to do the bunkers, and we pick away at bunkers every year, and we we pull the sand splash off the off the you know the bunker edge to the green, and sometimes we cut into the green a little bit to get those back into what it was, so we don't get where we were, so we can keep the contours that we had. Um, it's amazing what the sand does. That sand splash is, is a does a lot. If you were given one hole, Steve, to superintend of the 36, I say that word for lack of a better term, what would the hole be that you would choose? Well, I'll tell you my favorite hole. So maybe that's it. 13 East is my favorite hole in the property. Um, there's, there's a lot of people who have said that. I, that's that's great to know. Why is it your favorite hole? I, that's interesting. I just think it's such a penal hole i mean the green is i think the green is like 3900 square feet in in total and you get you throw the false front in there and you're probably down to 2500 square foot green and you god forbid if you miss it i mean it's you're 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 hope you're lucky to make a double and you're happy if you make a bogey and you're ecstatic if you make a par uh i always say it's easier to hit in one than two 
yeah i mean it's it's great you know if, if you would ask me on the west golf course my favorite hole is either going to be 11 or 15 probably 15 um but i uh that's the that's the issue though there's so many great holes here right i mean it's not like and which is so unique in that a lot of places have 36 holes but their other 18 is isn't isn't anything to shake a stick at you know here i mean you could argue that it's the it's the favorite the east is the favorite course of the membership right i mean it's, Over the it's years, just it's right it's just the green complexes are incredible on it. Um, the fairways are a little bigger on the east. It's a little shorter. But besides that, uh, the routing of it, uh, the the holes, the the finish on the east is incredible. Uh, the, the par threes are arguably or equally as good as the, as the west. No doubt. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just a great um, it's just a great golf course. We learned so with Mike Dirk and one of the better golfers at Wingfoot when playing match play in the East, just wanted to get to the 15th East, kind of one up, one down even. Because he knew that if he could par 15, chance he's going to win. Par 16, good chance he's going to win. Par 17, good chance. And 18. So he just wanted to get there. And uh, yep. I think that goes back to why I ask every good golfer at Wingfoot's toughest nine at Wingfoot, and they sit it back East. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, well, 16, yep. 17, 18 on the back east of 15, 16, 17, 18 are really always a test. Yep. You got to play well, know, 11 and 12 or so. You can, you know, probably score pretty good on 11 and 12 if you're hitting it okay. And then you get to 13, and that's a that's a coin toss. And 14 is, eh, but from 15 in, I mean, it's it's it can be brutal if the wind's kicking in your face. It's it's a great finishing uh, stretch. Do you guys ever, do you have a set amount of uh, hole locations, as they say on TV all the time, for pins on all the greens? Or is it, is there an average number of them? Do you, are there places that you never can use or that you do use more often? I mean, obviously, there's some that you use more often. We don't have them mapped out. Um, we know the quadrants they go in. Um, you know, it's it's difficult changing holes. It, for us, it's different than any other golf course I've ever worked on. Anything on our greens is hard to do, right? Mowing them's hard to do. Spraying them's hard to do. Aerating them's hard to do. Anything rolling's hard to do because of the undulations on them. So when you talk about changing the holes and stuff, you got to be careful changing the holes. Um, so, you know, um, after my first couple of years here, um, having guys put them in, in bad bad spots because – you know, we're always getting some of the younger guys on that turf team to change holes. Um, we went to having um, the guys use a uh, four-foot level. So these guys use a four-foot level now like the like the USGA guys were doing setup, and we make sure that we're checking the slope on those to make sure that they're not crazy based on the speed of the day. Um, and we try to move them around so that in a perfect world, you'd have six, six, and six. That doesn't always work, but um you know that's what we try for um you know when we did the restoration you know people always ask me well did you change the slopes and i always tell them no but in, when we enlarged the greens back to their original scale and size we yeah. gained hole locations on a lot of the edges which are the harder locations but we actually gained hole locations so um you and know there's some misconceptions about uh 
I've heard a lot of people say three east, uh, the false front is way too severe now, but it's actually the same as it always was. It's just the green is bigger. Listen, you had a bunker there. You had a bunker front right. People forget it. You had a bunker front right. The bunker on the left didn't change. Uh, the walk up was always there, right? I mean, so uh, what was what what was the approach walking up when the bunker was there? You take the bunker out and you level it off, and then that becomes green. So I right. mean, it was there. Um, so there was nothing that we changed um, anywhere really. I mean. Um, no, and they were all there. I mean, 18, 18 at the the front of that green, we expanded a lot on that green. Um, but you, you know, uh, one of the things in the restoration was the, the you know, the opening to the green, the mouth of that green, they all got bigger. You know, um, it just was in what happened when we were expanding back to the original scale, right? And thankfully, we had really good old photos and the greens on the e, the greens on the west got bigger by about 25,000 square feet. Um, so, you know, the, I think the lar 15 and 17 got big, the biggest, right? So 15, I think was 2,500 square feet got bigger. And I think 17 was about the same. Um, 10 was the one that didn't get mu that much bigger at all, but all the other ones were a thousand, 1500, 2000 square feet bigger, which was basically in the fronts and the, the rear and the edges and stuff like that, which is where we gained whole locations. Um, and you know, maybe that helped, you know, uh, accentuate some of the false fronts and looking at, but you know, we didn't add any false fronts. They were, they were just there. The, the landform was already there. I'm not sure if it was a depression. Um, uh, changes were done during the oppression. That's like when Taylor house was hired by the PGA to come out after the depression and um, clubs hired him to remove what they called duffer bunkers. And there's actually a book on, well, with what, um, documents every club he went to and the bunkers he removed a lot of times the greens shrink over time by just guys not paying attention to it but also um and sometimes um through the years when uh labor might have been tough and guy and clubs went to a riding mower right and and we, i don't know if they did that prior to me here i i, I we never put a, a riding mower on a green it's too severe it's too hard to do but if you were putting a riding mower on a green, you can't make the turns on some of the tight turns if you're looking, you know, the back of some of these greens, back of one, back of 18. So if you're riding, then you you lose a little bit here and a little bit there all the time right. and the greens shrink. So, yeah, I mean, labor and financial constraints at uh, over the years have, have led to green shrinking and people just not paying attention and or turnover of whomever's maintaining the property and stuff. And I mean, we're going to do it now. We're pulling the covers off the greens today, right off the West. But first thing we got to do is go out there and mark the collars. Because if we don't go out and mark the collar at 21 inches, when a guy goes to mow it the first time, he didn't know where to mow the green to, to the collar. So you gotta, you gotta define that. And you know, it takes time. And um, if guys aren't paying attention, you can lose things like that real easily. What's the most rewarding thing about your job? Um, I think just knowing that what we do is on public display every day, that's, that's what definitely motivates me. And I try to get that off to the staff, right? The team that everything we do is on public display, right? And we want to try to set our best foot forward every day. Uh, it's a constant battle, right? With mother nature. Uh, I mean, she wins all the time, right? 
Yeah. Rain, no rain, heat, drought, snow. I mean, humidity. So, Steve, one of the things that we learned from Jay Hill, who's played a few golf courses, he calls <laughs> this area his neighborhood. You talk about 13 East and 15 West. He says that's his favorite neighborhood. I never heard that. If you do, you, do you, uh, have you heard that before in a 288 acre property? This is the neighborhood he likes most at Wingfoot. I have not. No. Uh, but I agree. I, I, I love 15. I think it's such a, such a good hole, uh, a risk reward hole. I mean, if you put your drive in this proper spot down in the front left of this fairway, you got a good, good alleyway and open into that green. If not, you're going to struggle in that hole. And again, you got that, that green is a, as a weapon in your favor or against you, depending on where you hit your second shot. If you're fortunate enough to hit the green at all, depending yeah, on where no, that it's... pin is, pin back right versus pin front or middle, yeah, completely no. different clubs. Yeah, it's a it's a great great green complex. Well, if you get down the bottom in the flat, you're about one thirty in. But if you're not and you're back up there, you got it's tough because you you're on a down slope, you're on a side slope, trying to hit it up to a raised up green. I mean, it just it just throws so many. Uh, God forbid you're in that right-hand fairway bunker. Mm -hmm. Hurst. Well, that's changed yep. to me in, in, in the recent years. Is that bunker that was over there was really, to me, a poor shot. I've had plenty of good shots recently that I thought I was going to miss that bunker, and it just bounds in there, which is... Yeah, sure does. You just got to aim left. You're better off left. Well, again, yeah, remember, that bunker was moved because where the bunker was before we moved it would have been a very poor shot but where the bunker was put into play into the play now now it's it it can take a i don't know if it's a poor shot but it's a shot just off off the center of the fairway but you're in the bunker and now you're you've got a really difficult shot does the rollback the ball rollback so the usga and the rna come up with a proposal any thoughts on 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 uh that well, I think something needs to be done, and I, I think that's probably a step in the right direction, but that doesn't mean that the PGA Tour is going to enact it, right? Right now, it's just the RNA and the USGA. Yeah. So if the PGA Tour doesn't adopt it, then you're going to be playing with two two different sets of balls week in and week out or, or for the majors. Um, but people are hitting a golf ball too far. It should be set for everybody um, because – you know, the average kids nowadays are hitting the ball 300 plus yards is not meant to be hitting 300 yards. So I think it should be between the golf ball and the club. Something needs to be done because you're taking too many great golf courses. You're making them obsolete. And yep, um, you're always going to run out of real estate before you run out of technology. Yeah. But now everybody's got a track man and every range has a track man and golfers are, are way more athletic and, and they're, you know, they're, working out and i mean so it's just it's a different game right but couple that with the fact of see that's just one equation of it the other thing is is what we've done in in, in our end of it and the, the 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 maintenance of it is that's gone you know the conditions have gotten better and firmer and faster and stuff so you you couple that with a golf ball and everybody always talks about firm and fast and ball needs to roll and and so what we've done along with the golf ball and the clubs, the club heads are so big and the balls are so much, uh, they go so much further. So 
that and what we've done, the ball rolls for forever now. So you're making these golf courses, you know, those classics are are now, you know, driver wedge. You can't be played on them, and people are designers are designing golf courses seventy five, eight thousand yards, which is crazy. It's crazy. So uh, something needs to be done, I think, on a, a broader scale. Maybe it they're just even, trying to it, slow walk this, but something needs to be done. Even seventy five or eight thousand yards will be obsolete at this rate sooner or later. So, yeah, it's crazy. So, it, it's really you know, the only sport that doesn't regulate the ball. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the club head's been the same, the 440, 460 cc's or whatever. But you look at the size of a club head compared to what the size of what, you know, remember the great big Bertha? That was yeah. a big, you know, our three woods are bigger than that now. And then the golf balls, I mean, it's that with the technology of what we've done on our end um, and, and, and the maintenance end of it. These courses are, you know, they're, they're for the really good player, they're, they're too short. Well, and the wind is, you know, the listen, the elements definitely can change a golf course overnight, right? Or from the morning to the afternoon with the wind, you know, rain or wind. Um, I mean, look at the 20 open, right? The winds in September are completely different than the winds in, in June, right? The winds switch at that point. So in, in June, you know, you're usually into the wind on your finishing holes in september it was downwind the wind switch so these guys are bombing the balls on nine that was a par five for the first time in june it would have been into the wind which would have been a different ball game right yeah. eight, eight yeah. would have been into the wind 18 would have been into the wind 17 would have been into the wind you switch it around to uh september and it's downwind the prevailing wind switches and it's downwind you take a, a lot of the teeth game. out of some of those holes Wolf and DeChambeau both had like 52 degree wedges into nine west, which is nuts. Yeah, That's Wolf Wolf out drove uh, DeChambeau that week. He was the longest driver that week. Yeah. So, so what do you think about Liv? Got any, I think any those two long drivers took the long drive over to, to Liv, right? Both DeChambeau and Wolf went over there. Yeah, Wolf 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 went off the deep end. Um, Liv, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's 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 definitely um, put I guess a dividing golf. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I tried watching it. Um, uh, I I guess I think the team aspect is sort of okay, sort of cool. Um, but if you really look at anybody that went, anybody that's on the live tour besides four or five guys, you got DJ Bryson, um, Cam Smith, Bubba. Other than that. There are a bunch of guys that will probably never win again. They took a payday. So I don't know. Um, I, I tell you that the guys on the PGA tour like to live because it made them a ton of money, right? Somehow the PGA just found oodles of money for them to start handing out at all of these designated events. That, it's funny you know, how that happens, right? <laughs> you know, they're now making. So what was the players? Three and a half million for the winner and 1.25 for the fifth place guy. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Bill Mickelson stinks. He he hasn't broken egg or done anything. He doesn't even break par anymore. Um, it's different golf, right? You know, shotgun starts. Um, I, I don't know. Music. I don't know. We'll see. It has done a little for the broadcast teams like CBS and NBC. We talked to Mark Loomis about this. They were 
asking for years to mic up these players during a round and the PGA tour wouldn't do it. But, you know, I think that aspect's a positive to listen to um, one of these guys go through a hole while they're in competition. Yeah, I, I love uh, that. You know, where else are you going to get that? Well, you get a lot, you learn a lot about their personalities while they're doing it. You know, some of them are going to just talk about the difficulty of the hole or the position they're in and others are going to, you know, have a more jocular approach to the whole thing. So, but everything the PGA's done, it's just been a knee-jerk reaction to the lift, right? More bigger paydays, micing people up. I mean, they've done it all because this all came out because of the lift, which I yeah, guess that's is how good. the status quo is always affected by outside sources. Right? I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, I, I you know, ABA started in basketball and the AFL. So, I mean, it's, I, I guess it's good, you know. Um We'll see how long it lasts, right? I guess when foil foils a hundred bucks a barrel, it'll probably last for a while, right? <laughs> well, they can afford to keep it lasting. It just it, will there ever be enough interest by either the players or the fans about winning in a, a live event? I mean, is there is there enough incentive to say, hey, I want a live event versus the you know I won the Masters? Yeah, going to take some time, you know. For them to get a TV contract, although it was CW is was big, they got their first con they got their first sponsor. Um, so now they have a sponsor. Um, you know, fans, we'll see how fans turn out. Um different different mindset, you know. I mean, it's a shotgun. So I mean, for them, like you think about it for like the setup for the operations of it. So if we're setting up for US opener when a PJ event sets up all the time, they want all their corporate stuff and stuff on the back nine. But on the live event, it's a shotgun. You can put stuff wherever you want because everything's a back nine. Yeah. Everything's a back nine, right? So there's nothing there. But they have a smaller window to make money because they only have a four, you know four hour round of golf, and they let people in an hour before. So you have a shorter window to make money if that is a goal of theirs to make money on that. Um, completely different uh, on a lot of aspects, you know. So if you think the classic U.S. Open rotation courses. So Pebble, uh, Oakmont, Wingfoot, what would it take? What would it take for Liv to get on one of those courses? What do you think? Oh, boatloads of money. Boatloads of money. Well, you're right, saying that's... it'll happen. Because <laughs> they have boatloads of money. Yeah, I just, I'm, I've been, I mean, just in a ridiculous amount of money. I, I don't think that will ever happen. I mean, somebody would have to fall out of graces with, with the, with the USGA, and then just need to take a, a huge, a huge, you know, nine cash, nine, yeah, hundred million dollar more. I think somebody said ten million. I said not a chance. You no got, way. You got a no way. Relationship with the USGA. What about what about like Beth Page Black, which is public? Do you think they would be more? susceptible no. to no no because they're they're rider cup right they had the 25 rider cup what's your favorite movie as long as we're on the topic uh i gotta go caddyshack yeah. oh so you, you can aspire to be like uh try Charles some Baca. different techniques on getting rid of that gopher yep <laughs> gotta go caddyshack so you came to wingfoot many years ago when you first hear I thought about this this morning. When you came, was there anything that the prior 
people in your position left you that you could start with? Or did you start, I'm going to start clean. I'm just going to go learn these 280 acres. Uh, how, did, how did that work? You got to just start, start from scratch. You know, I mean, thankfully the winter I started, I started in, you know, December of 11 and full-time in January 12. Um, you, you just got to, you got to start scrap from scratch. You know, I had to build a team. Uh, thankfully it was a winter that we didn't have a lot of snow. So, you know, I, I remember grabbing a placemat out of the clubhouse that had the holes, you know, the red and the blue on them and just trying to learn the holes and, uh, you, you just got to start from scratch. You know, there's so much stuff in the ground and so many things here. And it just, uh, you know, I had only been at 18 whole facilities before. And so that's a little bit of a, a nuance, you know, to go from 18 to 36 and bigger staff. So it just, you just got to learn it. And the only way you learn it is by being here and, you know, when you start, and I always tell my guys when they go to a golf course for the, you know, they take over as superintendent, your first couple of years, definitely your first year, everything is reactive, right? Because you don't know what's going to happen, right? Where now I can be proactive on some things and I've been here and I know what things are. But your first year somewhere, everything, you have to be reactive to what you see is going on and happening. You can't take what I learned at Wheatley or somewhere else. You, you don't know how a property is going to handle things. So you just have to be there and, and just, you know, you get thrown something and have to deal with it. You know, it's just, it takes a while to learn to manage a property, especially this size. Well, I don't remember Wingfoot in the old days to be a grooming ground for superintendents, but it certainly has been over the last 12 years under your stewardship, which is massive. Uh, I think you can always go back to the head pros here. They staffed a lot of head pros from Claude Harmon to Craig Wood to Tom and, and, and of course, Mike. And that that's awesome. There's nothing better than advancing those guys and gals that come up through the ranks, right? And giving them their opportunity like you have. No, it's definitely, uh, you know, you asked me earlier what some of the what I'm proud of. That's definitely a, one of the things that um, I enjoy working with all the guys, right? I mean, it's not always fun, but we, uh, for them, but it's, it's a lot of work, but yet um, it's satisfying when those guys go on to get their jobs. And, you know, we've had 10 or 11 guys get head jobs here in the in all great places and over the last 11 years and um, guys have gone from here to, um, first assistant somewhere and then on to superintendent. So, I mean, we've had a lot of guys going to get jobs and it's, it's definitely, um, definitely, uh, a feather, I guess, in the cap, or it just makes me proud to see that those guys, but it's also a good, um, it's good for our program here for to recruit people to come to. So it's, um, it's good for golfers everywhere because, you know, the better the superintendent, the better the conditions that wherever they end up. Yeah, that, that's good for golf all around. What 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 keeps you here, Steve? Listen, it's the best thirty six holes in golf, right? I mean, it's arguably the top thirty six holes in golf. Um, it has a, a a passionate membership for for golf. Um, you know, it's a golf club. They they, you know, I mean, it's it's the conditions, right? I'm still want to be here and want to be 
doing this at this high level. You know, I mean, I'm super excited that we have a U.S. Open uh, to work towards in 2028. Uh, so I, I think those are. I mean, it's wing foot, right? I mean, it's the best 36 holes in golf. I think that sums that up. Yeah. We we often were asked to do comparisons years ago when I was involved in some things. The closest kind of club we can compare to is Westchester, but that's a country club. How do you compare? I think the only comparison in golf, you got to go to Australia and get to Royal Melbourne. Hmm. And I don't think there's anything in the States that compares to it. You got to get to the other side of the, the 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 map and get to Royal Melbourne might be the closest that you can come to us. Yeah, I never heard that before, but I would agree. Yeah. Who designed Royal Melbourne? Is that Tillinghast? No, Mackenzie. Oh, Mackenzie. I should have known that. I have the book right behind me. Yeah. What's your best score out there, Steve? Here, oof. I don't play here much and don't take this the wrong way. It's not, and I don't, it's, it's still work when I play here. So as you guys know, golf is golf is hard. Right. And, um, you, and if you can't turn it off, right. So it's hard for me to play golf here with, without seeing something or getting frustrated or something. So, uh, although I do play here, uh, I usually play much better, uh, off property. Um, I don't know, probably 79 or eight on the East. And I don't know on the West something, I don't know. West will kick my butt. I hate 10 West double it every time <laughs> I play it. Yeah. I end up hitting it at that stupid tree to the right of the green. Every time I never hit the green. Uh, yeah, I'd have about a hundred hole in ones if the green was down on the lower right. Right? 100%. What do you think about these golf courses in terms of appealing to lady golfers? Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I think the teaser, the, the women's teaser set up where right, I mean, I don't, I don't care, you know, if it's, if it's the, the ladies or the seniors or those that play from the whites or the blues if your tee position is proper golf course should be playable right i mean so that somebody from the uh, forward tee should be hitting it where somebody from the back tee is right and um and you know we built forward tees early on in my tenure here and um we've adjusted fairway the fronts of fairway so that that carry should be the same what it needs to be for every every different the level of golfer. So um, I, I think it's as fair off the tee for them. And listen, it's a hard golf course, right? I mean, mm. you know, you, you play golf here, you, your handicap should travel well. And, <laughs> you know, uh, it's just, it's hard golf here for a lady, uh, a senior, uh, uh, those from the whites or the blues, it's hard golf. <laughs> I mean, you can't change that. I think the gold tees is one of the greatest attributes at Wingfoot that's the least utilized. I think if every Wingfoot member hasn't played from the gold tees once, they're missing an opportunity to because the green complexes are the same, right? Listen, people, people, people play too far back, right? And it, it's 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 no fun, right? And everybody talks about pace of play and this and that, you know, and 
you know, uh, it's just no fun for the back you play, especially if you're not hitting it. You know, there's there's a formula out there. Whatever you hit your whatever club you hit, I think it's 180 yards. And there's some formula that tells you what tee box you should be playing from. And most people play from their own tees. Um, so, because it's, golf is hard enough. And then you come here and it's, it's really hard. Having a chance for a birdie is fun, right? But if you don't have a chance for birdie at all in a round of golf, something, you know, you're either playing really bad or maybe you're playing from the wrong tees. I mean, Centennial is pretty cool, right? Um, we uncovered the time capsule, which was cool. And we're doing a bunch of things there. So, I mean, it's amazing feat for a club to be around for 100 years and thriving strong like Wingfoot is. It's pretty cool. With very few changes in those years uh, physically. Yeah. We were talking the other day about Wendahack and the clubhouse. What's different, say, at least different between Wingfoot and Balthasrol is when you're at the end of the ninth hole at that club, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Every time you're at the end of a nine, you're near the clubhouse. And the Wendahack made that clubhouse kind of look like even bigger because of the smaller slates on the top, right? So even Wendahack was fussing with the golfer, right? Well, yeah, Windahack no. was was meeting with Tillinghast before they, you know, put a shovel in the ground to pick the best place for the clubhouse. Baltusrol didn't have that luxury. They were stuck with the clubhouse up on the big hill, and a lot of places are stuck with the clubhouse. But Tillinghast said that the, designing any course begins with locating the clubhouse. Yeah, no, and it's definitely classic, right? I mean, you've got you know nine in nine out uh for the most part or ten and eight but for the most part it's nine and nine it's 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 definitely classic old school you know golden age golf course architecture and throw in one of the best clubhouse designers of his era i mean it's just just awesome on both both fronts you know i never thought i never thought of this but if you had a uh, mckenzie or Donald Ross and replaced out Tillinghast back a hundred years, would you have had the same kind of green complexes, the same kind of result? I don't know. I mean, you think about, I always think about this. If you gave an architect 280 acres today and you had him design 36 holes on 280 acres, 280 acres is not a big property for two golf courses, right? So what we have here, the two masterpieces we have here on 280 acres, it's phenomenal, right, to think about. And, you know, most of these guys are doing, you know, 18 holes on 200 acres, 200 plus acres. So you, to give a guy, a modern day guy, and tell him you want two golf courses. So I, I think that modern guys would struggle on it. I mean, I don't know what the, those guys would have done, but it's, it's definitely a masterpiece. Got a, oh, a lot of credit to that white mule. Yeah, 13 West. <laughs> yeah. This has been fabulous, Steve. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, your insights are so different than the people we speak with. It's the other end of the club. Yeah, such a such a learning experience. The two courses you give us to play year, uh, year round are, like I say, if you're complaining about that, there's something else wrong in your life. So I thank well, you for that myself, and I'm sure the membership agrees. Well, thank you guys, and uh, it was a pleasure, and I'm sure we'll see you around here soon.
Well, you know, that's what we strive for. I mean, we know that we're a facility that is uh, preparing for a member guest every day because there's somebody that's bringing a guest that wants to get the wing foot experience. Uh, I mean, it's wing foot, right? I mean, it's the best 36 holes in golf. I think that sums that up. Thanks for joining Billy us Casper, today. Billy Horner. We really appreciate your Double feedback. Indemnity. And please Marky. subscribe to Two the show. Router. And hit Claude the bell Harmon. icon so you get notified. Movie classics. New episodes. Mark Gable. Hit them hard. Job. And hit them off. That's 36 holes.